The Guardian, live at the Edinburgh Festival 2009. Hello, I'm Miles Jupp. Thanks very much for downloading The Guardian's podcast live from the Edinburgh Festival. I've just stepped off stage. We've had a fantastic show that featured Will Anderson, Lucy Porter, Rod Gilbert, Mike Wozniak, Celia Pacuala, and opened with The Magnets. So here we are at the uh, Edinburgh Fringe, and Edinburgh, of course, at this time of year, love it or no, becomes a city of bagpipes. We And we thought for this year's Fringe, we'd do something special. Something Scottish, something that speaks of the highlands, of the lochs and the glens. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, something truly Scottish. Well, how about... But most definitely not those songs by people who think that they are Scottish. So this is our musical tribute to your beautiful country. So if you're lonely, you know I'm here waiting for you. I'm just across here. I'm just a shot away from you. And if you leave here, you leave Broken, shattered, alive. I'm just across here. I'm just a shot. Then we can die. I know I won't be leaving with you. Come on. Take me out, take me out, take me out. 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 Take
And here is your host, Mr. Miles Jones. Miles Jones. Thank you. Uh, well, uh, Andy from, from the Magnets, uh, you've joined me for a chat. Uh, hello. Now, you're, you're on at uh, uh, 5.25 in the Underbelly every night. That's uh, right, yep. So for people that don't know the Underbelly, that's basically a massive upside-down uh, purple cow, does it? Yeah, you get slightly dizzy when you see it. It's all a bit, everything's upside-down, as you say. But uh, it's great. Lovely venue, and we're really enjoying it every it, single day. Does it have good acoustics for something that is essentially a model of a, an animal corpse? Absolutely. <laughs> it does, surprisingly, yeah. It's its idea, and we need a big sound, and uh, it, it's, it's got everything that we need, so... And you are, you're, you're a beatboxer? Yeah, it's vocal percussion, but it is beatbox, yeah. Beatbox is manipulation of the mic. Sounds from here to make it a bit more deeper. I try and make it so people can always see the gob. Yeah, because I, I, I'm sure you can imagine, I, I know very little about the art of beatboxing. Well, um, you're going to know, in the next two minutes, you're going to know everything you need to know. Oh, right, well, can you, yeah, let, let, let's go for it. So we've got the bass drum, we've really got hi-hat, which is the one in between when you hear a groove, you're just... For dance music, you hear... Gives it an extra little pulse, just so you can grab onto it. But there is the snare drum to worry about. That's the problem. Oh, that sort of right. hides in there on beat two and four, okay, which is yeah. a little bit annoying. Which is actually a P and an F, ladies and gentlemen. So it's a P. P okay. It's there. So P then F. Tell what, get closer this to the mic. This is playing absolute havoc with my embouchure. Um. Right, we got that. Okay, so we'll speed on. So that's excellent. Right, so we're going to now try. This is this is even more exhausting than my audition for Secret Diary of a Call Girl. Yes. Um. <laughs> you start. The idea is that we look like we've rehearsed it. One, two, three, four. really was uh, genuinely shattering. My next guest is one of Britain's most prolific stand-up comedians and writers. Her show, Fool's Gold, is her eighth consecutive solo outing on the Fringe. It's on every night at the Pleasance. Please welcome the delectable Lucy Porter. Sexy intro for you, though. I love it? that. God, it was, was like I've got my own brand of soap. Yeah, <laughs> I've got my own raging boncon. Um, well, anyway, um, <laughs> how how are you enjoying Edinburgh, Lucy? Lovely, it's brilliant. And I actually saw the funniest thing I've ever seen at the Edinburgh Festival this year, what, what which was, was on the Royal Mile. There was, you know, the human statues. There was this little boy called Callum, and his mum and dad were giving Callum 50p and saying, oh, go up and see if you can make the statue move, Callum, go on. And so Callum just walked up to the human statue and punched him in the nuts. (laughs) 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 You know when you think, I've paid hundreds of pounds to go and see shows, I will never see anything as funny as that. (laughs) There's no point trying to write jokes, just get a small child to punch a man in the nuts. (laughs) Clearly hilarious. And do you you feel that you're, you're reaping the benefit then of coming back year after year? 
I have a little loyal, a loyal following, which is really nice. I have people who come back every year. Because well, I've been doing this, the festival for eight years now. It's my eighth year. And uh, I always theme my show. So I did a show called Loose Supporters Lovin' a couple of years ago. And people came along and they threw love hearts at the stage, which is really sweet. And then I did one called The Bare Necessities last year. And people threw little sort of teddy bears and stuff at the stage. So I called it Fool's Gold this year. <laughs> Ever optimistic. But apparently the Scots are living up to the stereotype. That's all I'm saying. So you, each of your shows, you've always themed your show then around something very specific? Well, I find it quite useful just in terms of writing, because just, you know, writing an hour of brilliant stand-up every year. Some people can do it. Rod Gilbert, who's on later. Um, but, I, yeah, I sort of like a little theme to cling on to. And something always happens in the year. That I found a little bangle that my nana gave me this year, which is a golden bangle, because my nana was an IRA supporter, and a uh, lovely lady, but right. uh, <laughs> slightly scary. And uh, she gave me this bangle, which when she gave it to me, she said, one day, Lucy, you can melt this down to fund the glorious fight. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so that kind of started the show off. And, and what have you done with it? Uh, well, it, it, well I, I won't reveal what happens in the show, but, uh, but it's in the show every you, night. You haven't been funding the glorious fight? Not, I have not been, no. Not supporting the comeback. Have you been keeping a, uh, maintaining a regime in Edinburgh? I know in previous years you've been, uh, you've been you know, swimming and going to the spa, Did things like that. A bit like of a swim, a bit of running up and down uh, the hills. Really? Chasing after young boys. All of that. <laughs> keeps me young. Is that, is that a facility that you have to pay for to chase after young boys, or do you just choose, <laughs> choose one that irritates you in the street? And go well, yeah, because they leaflet. And the, what they do, because they come up and they're all keen and they leaflet, and then I, the little light goes on in my eyes, and I go, <laughs> how much do you want me to come and see the show? <laughs> and then uh, I chase them up the street. <laughs> it's very good fun. Uh, well, Lucy Porter, thank you very much indeed for coming down to chat to us uh, this morning. Fool's Gold, your excellent show. It's on every night at the Pleasance <laughs> Courtyard at 8.20. Ladies and gentlemen, Lucy Porter! <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, uh, performing this year at the Fringe off the back of two sellout UK tours. Uh, winner of the Comics Comic and the Best Headliner at the Chortle Awards 2009, Time Out's Comic of the Year. Magnets, will you please bring on Rod Gilbert? <laughs> Thanks, Magnets. That's the introduction done. <laughs> Ten minutes in. Uh, wow, well, Rod, did you, did you enjoy that, being, being brought on? That was an incredible experience. Yeah. <laughs> uh, now, uh, how, how are you, Rod? Are you still well? Uh, I am still well. I'm very well, yeah. I'm very well. This time last year, you may remember, I had a sore throat. <laughs> oh, and I that's do... cleared up. That <laughs> in, in the intervening months. Well done. Have you... Uh, you've, you've spent them resting then, haven't you? And just... I've rested my throat for 11 months and 14 days. And <laughs> do you know what? It's on the mend. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, it's hard to believe, but I actually... I get research notes for this show, and uh, in your notes included the sentence, Rod punched a shop assistant. Is yeah. That, is that true? Uh, well, it was in last year's show. Right. Um, is, is it true, though? I mean, did you...? Uh, no. <laughs> no, it wasn't true. The rest of the sentence sort of gives away the fact that it probably wasn't true. If you read out the, the why I punched a shop assistant. Rod punched a shop assistant because he didn't like her face. <laughs> That's not what it says in your notes, Miles. You, no, no, you're right. Uh, it says uh, Rod punched a shop assistant and had a mild breakdown over a mince pie. That, oh, does it? Oh, it oh, I thought it was going to say he punched a shop assistant over the duvet tog rating system. <laughs> 
which will sort of gives away the fact that I probably didn't. Uh, right, OK. Well, this Not is even I would you know, be that surly with a, a bedding department person. <laughs> <laughs> well, nonetheless, this is going very well. Um, now, <laughs> uh, last year we saw you, uh, since we last saw you in the Guardian podcast, you, uh, you were on the Royal Variety Show mm. uh, this year. Did you get the chance? Did you, did you lash out at any I almost punched Prince Charles on that occasion, yeah. <laughs> you did this thing that I thought was absolutely uh, remarkable on the Variety Show. You, you came out, and rather than just getting straight into your stuff, you, you involved... Prince Charles in a bit of banter, mm. right, which which came off absolutely brilliantly. Mm. But were you bricking it? Absolutely terrified. In fact, to the degree that I, um, I I was sort of I've got a little radio show on Radio Wales, as you may know, and I was talking about how I felt before that show. For the five minutes beforehand, my fingertips went cold, my feet were completely frozen, and I drank about three bottles of water in the in the five minutes before I went on. And somebody contacted the show, a doctor, and told me I was hyperventilating. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not sure if it was because I was about to go on stage or because Brian May was on. <laughs> That's difficult to know, isn't it? But, um, uh, yeah, so it was te- but it was a gamble. It was a real gamble, that. I mean, they basically, in the afternoon, I had my set planned, and then in the afternoon they came in, because we were there for eight hours hanging around, you know, we all backstage, and they, they said that for the first time ever they were going to show the reaction of the Royal Box. They never had cameras on the Royal family, I don't think, so... I kind of, like Lucy, a little thing went on my head, you know, and I just thought, ooh, there's an opportunity here to get them involved a bit. Mm. And then I was kind of chatting about it backstage with, my, I was sharing a room with Michael McIntyre and Tarbuck and Jimmy Carr and things, and some of them said, yeah, go for it, and some of them said, don't be ridiculous. <laughs> I um, bet Tarby wouldn't have been keen. Tar- no, Tarby said go for it. Oh, did he? Tarby said go for it. McIntyre, although he denies it to this day, told me not to do it. He said, look, there's eight million people, you know, that see this. There's two and a half thousand of them out there. If you go out there and... And that, because I was going to do it at the start of the set. I don't know if you saw it, people out there, but I, I took it sort of, you know, had a bit of banter with him. And I, and I thought, if I do it at the start and it goes badly, as you say, it would have been the longest eight minutes <laughs> of, my, of my life. And probably, you know, I'd been kicking myself still to this day. But, it, but as you say, it seemed to go well and carried the rest of the gig in a fairly positive direction. Yeah, it was terrific. They were nuts. So, yeah. so uh, Jimmy Tarbuck is, in fact, a slightly braver comedian than um, <laughs> Michael McIntyre. Well, I think, I think McIntyre was right. I mean, that was, he was right. It was a ridiculous thing to do. If, if it, as it happened, it paid off. But if it hadn't, then I would never probably have, you know, forgotten that thing. And, uh, but I think he was probably right, really. Don't do it. Don't risk it. Why bother? Was it, it wasn't like a Camilla-based gag or anything, was it? No, no, no. I, acu- I accused Prince Charles of, A, parking a P-Reg Astra outside my house. <laughs> <laughs> and B, his kids are vandalising the bus shelter in the... Because he's bought a house down near where I oh, live. Really? Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. So I basically accused him of letting the place down. <laughs> <laughs> and were, were, you, were you nervous of him himself because he is uh, the Prince of Wales? Is that, does, that, does that mean anything to you? Him no, being the Prince of Wales? Not really. <laughs> Astra's an Astra, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Now, uh, this year, your show, it's, uh, it's on every night at the Pleasance Courtyard. It's called Rod Gilbert and the Cat that Looked Like Nicholas Lindhurst. Mm. Um, are you able to...? I'm like Lucy. I've done all the big themes. <laughs> <laughs> all the big memes in life, I've done them. <laughs> Mince pies, cats that look like Nicholas Lindhurst. Yeah. Are, are you able to reveal to us any of the reason why it's called that? Or no, you? none at all. <laughs> Is it a brilliant <laughs> no. poster, though? That it's, is su- it's such a good po- poster with a cat on it. Oh, thank you very much. Cute cat, isn't he? It's gorgeous. Photoshopped. Oh, really? Yeah, oh. literally just a ball of wool, that was. Oh. Yeah, it's amazing what they can do these days. Uh, now, uh, you've, been, uh, you've been on the, uh, the, the Welsh 
the Welsh website, as it's called. Uh, it's not is called it, that. Is it called that? No, no, it's not. It's called... Uh, the Scottish play. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody mentioned the Welsh website. <laughs> the blog section of the Western Mail. Um, no, uh, you, you're, you're on the Visit Wales website trying out various dangerous sports and, uh, and activities. What? Eating in Wales? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is an extreme sport, you're right. What is, uh, what is the most dangerous thing that you found yourself doing in, in Wales? I, well, it was nothing dangerous, really. I, I you know, I, I leapt off a, a, a cliff. Um, that, that sounds a little dangerous. Well, not really. Not with a helmet and a life jacket and a team of people around you and a camera crew when it's only about 20 foot down anyway. <laughs> and the sea was down there. I forgot to point that out. Right, yes. <laughs> I didn't beat your head. <laughs> wonder why you were wearing a life jacket. There was a... Yeah, it was, all, it, was, it, was abs- it was like jumping off this little balcony. We can't see that, I know the listeners, but there's a balcony here just above our head. It was like jumping off that into a, into a little bit of water. It was, you know, not, not remotely dangerous. <laughs> that's really selling Wales, isn't it? <laughs> Come to Wales and jump off something that's a bit like a balcony. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> why not? A there's public. a recession on. People are desperate for entertainment. <laughs> Come to Wales, jump off an eight-foot thing into a bit of water. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, uh, Rod, have you seen any, uh, any other shows this year? No. <laughs> <laughs> You've got me too early in the run. I'm planning on seeing loads of shows. Really? What like are you? Lucy Porter, The Magnets, <laughs> uh, Mike Wozniak, uh, the host of this show. Um, what's his name? Jump. Uh, <laughs> Mike you Miles, obviously. I don't know, loads of things, loads of things. Kitson, I, Tom I thought you'd be out for supporting me because I'm a sort of kindred Welsh spirit. No, not at all. Tom Rigglesworth. Yeah. Mm. Well, very good. Thank you very much. These, these, these <laughs> terrific recommendations. My show, by the way, it's on at um, eight o'clock. Yeah, I clash. Uh, I clash with that. <laughs> yeah, but no, the, the people at home, they, they, we won't clash with that. They're not going to. Yeah, see but they're coming to me. <laughs> 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 They've already got their tickets booked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, right. is, that, is it the same audience every night you have? Pretty it? much. <laughs> <laughs> Just, well, I can well believe it. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, <laughs> uh, Rod Gilbert, every night at the Pleasant's Courtyard, eight forty-five. Rod Gilbert, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> We're going to have some stand-up comedy from a young lady who won the coveted Critics Award at the Melbourne Comedy Festival this year. Please welcome Celia Pacuala. Hello. Hi, how are we doing? Um, I do just need to tell you um, straight away, uh, I am actually single from a long-term um, relationship and I don't need to go into the details of what happened. Um, but seeing as you push me, oh, I will. Uh, I'll put it this way, right? Uh, if he was an animal in Africa, he would be a cheater. <laughs> it's subtle, is what that is, but uh, unfortunately it is true. Uh, my boyfriend did cheat on me. Well, not on me, they went somewhere. <laughs> Which was good. Um, yeah, and that's basically what uh, my show is about. And I think it's important to point that out because there's been a bit of confusion. Uh, my show is here at the Gilded Balloon, right? And uh, on the second night, this is not a word of a lie, 15 minutes into my show, I had a gentleman, and I do use that term very loosely, in that I'm pretty sure he had a knob, if not was entirely made up of <laughs> knob. About 15 minutes into my show, he screamed out, I don't know what's going on. The only reason I came to this show is because the girl who flyered me told me that in the show, you get defecated on. I said, what? He goes, yeah, the only reason I'm here is because the girl who gave me the flyer told me that in the show, you get shat on and that's what I'm into and that's what I'm here to say. And obviously, I was quite annoyed at that. Uh, and I really need to talk to my flyers 
and tell them to stop giving away the ending. <laughs> Obviously that is a joke. There is no defecation in my... I don't know how that happened. My show is called Am I Strange? It is not Am I Getting Chat On? Really? And even if that was the title, the answer would be no. No, I am not. Right, so yes, that is true. Um, but look, I don't mind being single. It gives me time to do things that I enjoy. Uh, I spend quite a lot of time thinking, um, yeah. Uh, like if someone tells me something that I don't understand, I will not stop thinking about it. Like someone said something to me quite casually that blew my freaking mind. He just went, oh, hey, Celia. Hey, Celia, did you know that uh, dolphins rape turtles? <laughs> Right, and my first thought was, there is no way that is true. Well, that's a lie. My first thought was, flipper, no means no. But straight after that, <laughs> it was, there is no way that is true. But then I thought, hang on, the one thing I do know about dolphins is they're one of the few species, aside from humans, who have sex for fun. So I thought, okay, well, maybe it is true. But is it all dolphins, or is it just one creepy dolphin? <laughs> and the other dolphins are like, stay away from Brian. <laughs> Why? Turtle fucker, he fucks turtles, I've seen him. And then I thought, why turtles? Poor little, poor little turtles. But if you think about it, which I have, of all the animals in the ocean for a dolphin to rape, turtles are the slowest. And I'm sorry, but can you think of a more naturally spread-eagled animal? All I'm saying is, Structurally speaking, turtles are up for it, right? I didn't make them, that's just how they are. And I had to tell you, I did this joke once before when I had a family friend of mine, like a second mother to me, came up to me at the end of the show and she goes, oh Celia, I was thinking about that turtle thing, right? Because if they pull in their head and tail and arms and legs, six holes. <laughs> uh, I don't need to know that. I don't need to know that a turtle is possibly the only animal that could be raped in an armhole, right? I don't need to have a visual of like six dolphins standing in a circle just playing spin the turtle and no matter where it stops they each get a, keeps me up at night it really it really does thank you very much guys Celia Pacuala appearing here at the Gilded Balloon every evening <laughs> Ten years ago, my next guest was nominated for the Best Newcomer at the Perrier Awards. Then he disappeared back to Australia to become one of the most famous faces on Australian TV and radio. Don't let me tell you how good he is. Let's hear what his audience thought of him last night. Oh, it's absolutely fantastic, yeah. I mean, <laughs> it was good, yeah. 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 Um, I had a great time. Uh, I was killing myself laughing, mate. I quite wanted my tit sign, but then I, like, cued in such an English, British fashion that, like, everyone, like, passed me. Then by the time I got to him, I was just like... I just have a photo. No, I had a really great time. It's hilarious, yeah. I'd recommend it. Ladies and gentlemen, Will Anderson. That, that girl said that she wanted her, her breast signed, and I remember that, that because there'd been a whole bunch of people kind of waiting in line to talk to me, and she came up and she said, like, when I was started in this line, I wanted my breast signed, but by the time she got to the front, she got bored of that idea, <laughs> which I was quite glad of, because I don't really know what to do when something like that happens. A guy... I can up, show you. <laughs> a guy... No, up, see if you want. <laughs> a guy after the show the other night, seriously whacked out his scrotum and wanted me to sign his oh, scrotum, right? Yes. And all he had was like a biro, which is pretty sharp. Oh. And he did, and he held it like a bat, I guess, <laughs> down like that, and got me to sign it, right? 
I've never held an end of a pen so far away from the bit that writes <laughs> as I was signing my entire name and address. <laughs> Just send him to my show. I'd be very happy to accommodate him. It's pretty weird, huh? Yeah. Is, that, is that something that happens to you often, body parts people want you to sign? No, it seems a particularly uh, Scottish thing, actually. No, uh, I've not had it in Australia at all. People don't really care. Are you sure you're not just misunderstanding the accent world? <laughs> <laughs> tickets, testicles, could be, you know, sign my tickets, that's what he said. I had that the first year I came here. The first year I came here, I, I was playing a tiny little room and this guy from Glasgow, and I wasn't very good with the accent back then at all, and he yelled out something, and to me it just sounded like he was vomiting. You know, and, and I looked at him and he had one of those beards that just moved, you know, when he talked, like I just caught him halfway between eating a live sheep. And he yelled out this, and I hope I can say this, he said, Australians are so lazy, they wouldn't pull a greasy stick out of a dog's ass, right? And everybody in the room laughed like that was the most common expression in the world, right? I'd never heard that in my country, so I thought, just let it go, right? But then I realised he wasn't even just heckling me, he was heckling my entire country. I thought, I've got to respond on behalf of my country. But all I could think to say was, mate, as a proud Australian, I don't reckon we give a shit. <laughs> I reckon we're a little more concerned what Scottish people are doing sticking it up there in the first place. How bad are you at playing fetch? <laughs> What's going to happen if I pull it out? Oh, I'm king of all England. <laughs> do, you, do you feel it's something that you need to prepare for? I mean, if you're going to spend a month here, do you think a lot of people will be asking you to sign, uh, sign body parts? I mean, you've got to think about the stationery involved, I'd have thought. I mean, what, what sort of pen works best? Uh, for instance, I always carry a fountain pen, but I imagine if someone wanted me to use a fountain pen to sign their breasts, it would be awkward. I mean, I'd have to, I'd have to blot it. Um, You'd have to dip your nib. <laughs> would it be inappropriate to get a stamp? No. <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, if I could get through a few in a row, that's what I'm saying. You see, it, it could look from a distance like you are punching people's, um, <laughs> people's breasts, um, which, is, which, is, which is not on here, by the way, Will. Um, now, uh, yeah, the Guardian. <laughs> <laughs> this is one of the things they're particularly opposed to. Uh, now, this year your show is called Willosophy. Uh, it sounds sort of like a, like, a, like a Will Smith rap album, uh, of which I own many. Um, uh, can you tell us a little about, about Willosophy? Um, yeah, look, it, it was a show actually inspired by um, uh, a year ago, yesterday, um, a really close friend of mine uh, passed away, and she was just in her early 30s, her heart stopped. And it, it struck me at the time that it was one of those things where um, uh, it just changed everybody's lives, you know, where you just went, all these things that you wanted to do with your life and all the things that you thought were important. Nobody ever talked about um, how much money she made or how good she was at her job. Everyone talked about the happiness that she brought to everybody else's life. And I thought, wouldn't it be good if that's how we measured the worth of our lives, the happiness that we give to other people? And I started reading that in Bhutan, they actually do that. They don't measure gross national product. They measure gross national happiness. They take into account financial things, which are important, but health and education and charity and social issues to make up a measure of an entire society, which is gross national happiness. And the show's kind of about that, but with heaps of knob jokes. Don't worry. <laughs> if, that, if that sounded a little bit serious, there is knob jokes galore. Don't worry. I'm going to say, it's not the obvious one to come out and have your scrotum signed after that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> how, how, how much do you feel uh, the festival's changed uh, since, you've, since you've been away? Um, I, the, the difference for me is there's Scottish people coming to see my show now. Like, you know, in the past, my shows have predominantly been full of, you know, Australians. And, and uh, this weekend, you know, we had just massive houses of uh, Scottish people coming to see the show, which is, 
you know, absolutely exciting to me, you know. It doesn't mean that I can't do... And the other thing that I love about being in this country, and I've got to love it to the Scots, because I'm Australian and we're in the middle of a drought in Australia, but you can just use water as much as you like here. Oh, it's brilliant. I'm loving it. I left the shower on when I came down here. I'm not going to turn it off until I go home. It is so much fun. And uh, uh, have you had a chance to get around to see any other shoes? Yeah, I went and saw... Um, I've seen a few things, actually. I saw a guy called Sam Simmons, if you like your yeah, uh, comedy really off the wall and, uh, you know, crazy. He's doing a show here at the Gilded Balloon. I love that. But my favourite show that I've seen so far was a show at The Stand, uh, Jason Cook's show, Fear. It's on at 3.20 in the afternoon if you want to see something in the afternoon. It is stunning. It's a, it's a really brilliant piece of work. Uh, well, uh, Will, thank you very much indeed for coming down uh, and being on the Guardian uh, podcast today. Uh, I'm very much looking forward to seeing your show. Uh, Will Anderson is performing Philosophy every night at the Underbelly at 8.50pm. You'd be, you'd be daft to miss it. Thanks to all my guests today, the Magnets, Lucy Porter, Rod Gilbert, Will Anderson, Celia Pacuala. Our final actor is one of the standout stars of last year's podcast. He was nominated for the If Dot Comedy Newcomer Award and he's back with a show every night at the Pleasance Courtyard called Clown Shoes. Please welcome Mike Wozniak. Thank you. Uh, hello. Uh, my, my show principally uh, this year is about my, my father, uh, Josef Wozniak. He's uh, an amateur scientist. It's been, a, it's been an exciting year this year. He pursued a dream and took a sabbatical to launch the Josef Wozniak History of Science and Science Trivia Roadshow. Um, don't know if anyone made it at all. Okay. Uh, yeah, we, we, we kicked off in our hometown of uh, Portsmouth and uh, pretty much had to put the brakes on after that. Sadly, uh, having met with similar levels of interest uh, <laughs> down south. But there's, I mean, there's a lot of good trivia in it uh, that uh, Dan has gathered over the last sort of years. Uh, for example, um, you, you can't melt wood. Um, <laughs> a man can drown in an inch of water. There's another one. A few nods. Some people are familiar with that. Obviously, positioning is crucial. <laughs> as is a degree of patience. <laughs> You've really got to find the right man for that as well, I think. Uh, an inch of water is equivalent to 10 inches of snow. Uh, although, of course, not in inches. Uh, <laughs> if an atom was a plum, a dog would be the size of a spaceship. Amazing. Just blows your mind. What does the dog eat? Who takes responsibility for the dog? I mean, it's sort of big stuff. That's what we're dealing with here, with the road show. It's not all been good, uh, though this year there's been some difficulties. Well, my, my dad's mother, my grandmother, has been quite unwell. Uh, she has uh, dementia. There's bound to be people in the audience who know people with dementia. There's nothing nice about it. It's totally grim. If there can be a silver lining that she's well looked after by the various doctors and nurses in her life, she's very fond of them even. But we had a bit of an odd incident recently. We had a, a letter from them. Started off nicely. Generally, you know, things are okay. Not much in the way of deterioration. Don't... Don't worry. But, it went on, there has been one small point of deterioration in that your grandmother is no longer able to distinguish between a child and a dwarf. <laughs> End of letter. <laughs> no further explanation. As if none is required. Raised a couple of questions in my mind. Firstly, how did they assess this? Did they simply ask? Or did they provide examples? If they did provide examples, were they clear-cut? Was the dwarf youthful and clean-shaven? Or was he bearded and carrying a pickaxe? We don't know. Secondly, why? She doesn't give her monkeys. 
It's not as if day to day she's walking around, there's a man in the street going, help! Help, I've got no means of distinguishing if this diminutive individual is a child or a daughter. You old woman, there's no one else. It doesn't come up. I could understand if she was applying for a job at a newsagent, it's fine. Children might masquerade as dwarves to illegally purchase cigarettes. You might offend a group of three or more adult dwarves by refusing them admission at the same time. It doesn't make any sense. I'll leave you with a little bit more uh, science trivia. Uh, when a cat yawns and arches its back, if you press on the base of its spine, the cat will burst. <laughs> Not advocating that, of course. Uh, I'm aware I've got a very nasal grating quality to my voice. It makes me sound as if I was raised by a herd of local radio station DJs. <laughs> so I'm going to leave it there, but uh, thank you very much. My name is Mike Wozniak. Cheerio. Bye. The Guardian, live at the Edinburgh Festival 2009. Thanks very much for listening. We're going to be back tomorrow with a host of Edinburgh Festival favourites. I'm off for a round of crazy golf.